This is Diane Horn, your host on the sustainability segment of Mind Over Matters on KEXP Seattle 90.3 FM by mobile app and on the web at kexp.org. My guest today is Ivy Sager-Rosenthal, Communications Director for Toxic Free Future. Ivy is here to tell us about progress towards a toxic-free future during 2018 and to discuss the annual report card on retailer actions to eliminate toxic chemicals, the Make Them Pay campaign, and upcoming plans for 2019. Welcome, Ivy. Thank you for having me. Would you like to begin by saying a few words about Toxic Free Future? Sure. Toxic Free Future is an environmental health advocacy organization. We do our own science. We advocate for better protections for people and the environment against toxic chemicals. We do advocacy at both the state level and federal government. And we also organize people to make sure that they understand concerns about toxic chemicals and how they can eliminate them. What progress has there been in Washington state towards a toxic-free future during 2018? What are the successes? It was a very successful year this year for eliminating toxics. We championed two bills in the state legislature this year, one to ban the use of toxic nonstick chemicals, or they're called PFAS chemicals, to ban these chemicals in firefighting foam and in food packaging. And we're concerned about these chemicals because they are linked to cancer, thyroid problems, reproductive issues, infertility, And they are very widespread use. They're used as grease proofing in popcorn bags and other kinds of fast food and food wrappers, stain protectors on your sofa or on your rug, or even waterproofing like on your raincoat or rain boots. So these are chemicals that are used everywhere and they are turning up in our drinking water, in our bodies, in our food and in the environment. And so we were really, really pleased to see the state legislature take aim at these chemicals and actually pass these bills to stop two very big sources, firefighting foam and food packaging, from getting out into the environment. Any other successes you'd like to mention from 2018? We have had quite a few successes. Another one is our science director, Erica Schrader, along with some scientists at Indiana University, published a peer-reviewed article looking at levels of toxic flame retardants in Seattle area daycares and looking at how we might reduce levels of these cancer-causing chemicals. One source of these chemicals is foam nap mats. Those are those mats that kids in daycares will pull out, put on the floor to take their naps. And what this study did is it looked at what happens after you take out these foam nap mats that contain these harmful chemicals and what happens to the levels of flame retardants in the daycare. And this may seem like a, well, dust kind of study because, of course, if you take out a source, the levels should go down. But these kinds of studies aren't done a lot. And so what this study found is that you actually can significantly reduce levels of these cancer-causing chemicals in daycare by removing just one source of these chemicals. And what that tells us is if we have laws in place that ban the use of these chemicals in those products, we really can significantly decrease kids' exposures. I think in this study, it was up to 90% decrease for one flame retardant. That's pretty amazing. And it's a pretty simple step because you can make these products without those chemicals. So we're really excited to see this study come out and are hopeful that this bolsters the evidence that we need to continue to reduce the use of these chemicals. 
Let's talk now about the Mind the Store campaign and the third annual report card on retailer actions to eliminate toxic chemicals, which just came out in November. What is the purpose of the campaign and report card? Sure. So the report card grades 40 of the top retailers, grocery stores, and restaurants on how well they're doing on eliminating the use of toxic chemicals in their products. And it started several years ago with just a really small group of retailers. I think maybe it was 10. And it's become this really interesting annual report card and up to 40. And the hope is, is that by grading retailers on how well they're doing, it adds a little pressure, public pressure for them to to make some real changes. There were some top companies, which they include Apple and Ikea, Target, Walmart's another one. These companies all got A's. They have done quite a lot of work in requiring their manufacturers and their suppliers to reduce their use of toxic chemicals. There were some laggards, though, however, including Seattle-based Starbucks and Nordstrom, who got Fs, which is really kind of disappointing because we like to think of ourselves here in the Pacific Northwest as very sustainably minded. And these companies haven't taken any public measures or adopted any public policies that would show that they're taking steps to reduce the use of toxic chemicals. Getting the most improved grade in our study are two local companies, however, Costco and Amazon. These are companies that in previous years had gotten Fs. And through our work with them and the work of our partners at Safer Chemicals Healthy Families, these companies have adopted new policies that show they're serious about reducing the use of toxic chemicals. I think Amazon has taken steps to reduce the use of toxic chemicals in their detergents and their personal care products. These would be the Amazon brand and the same with Costco and the Kirkland brand. So we're really thrilled to see that these companies are taking this seriously and moving forward. And what this does is it not only protects the health of consumers, their customers who have been for a long time demanding safer products, but it also puts pressure up what we call the supply chain to the manufacturers and then ultimately the chemical industry where you're decreasing the demand for these harmful chemicals and puts pressure on these manufacturers to find better alternatives. What policies does the Mind the Store campaign recommend for companies to improve? Quite a few. (laughs) Because this is sort of a new area. Companies haven't really been looking at where toxic chemicals are in their products. And so what the Mind the Store campaign urges companies to do is to adopt lists of chemicals that they just won't allow in products that are sold on their shelves. And these are kind of some of the worst of the worst chemicals. For example, phthalates, which are hormone disruptors, and they're fragrance chemicals found in detergents and personal care products. Um, The PFAS, the nonstick chemicals, getting rid of those out of food packaging, toxic flame retardants, making sure that products that are on their store shelves don't contain flame retardants that can cause cancer. So adopting those kinds of restricted substances lists and then moving forward and asking their manufacturers to phase those out. Are there certain industries that tend to do better than others in your evaluation? Well, this year, we were kind of surprised to see that the grocery store and restaurant sectors did not do quite as well. 
as more of what we think the traditional retailers like a Walmart or an Amazon. And part of that is because there just hasn't been a lot of public pressure, I think, on these companies to take more affirmative steps towards reducing chemical use. A lot of these companies just don't have a public policy saying what they do with toxic chemicals and how they address it. It's our hope that in the next year or so that more of these companies start coming out publicly and saying what they're doing and then taking some affirmative steps to reduce their use. How can people become involved in persuading companies to keep products with toxic substances off their shelves? Well, we often say the best thing to do is to go into the store and start talking to employees there. Tell them that you want safer chemicals. Ask those questions about, hey, what are you doing about certain chemicals that are harmful for my family? We also urge people to call the customer hotline. What better way? And that's what it's there for. What better way to talk to the company and let them know what you want in terms of safer products? But then also you can go to our website, toxicfreefuture.org, or you can go to Safer Chemicals Healthy Families website or retailerreportcard.com. And there are easy ways for you to send messages to retailers asking them to improve their policies on toxic chemicals. I'm Diane Horn, and my guest is Ivy Sager-Rosenthal, Communications Director for Toxic Free Future. Our topic is progress towards a toxic-free future during 2018. And you are tuned to the sustainability segment of Mind Over Matters on KEXP Seattle 90.3 FM, by mobile app, and on the web at kexp.org. Let's talk now about PFAS substances and your Make Them Pay campaign. You said a bit about this earlier, but could you say more about exactly what the substances are and why they're a problem? Sure. So the Make Them Pay campaign is a response to what we like to call the nonstick nightmare, which is the contamination of our food, our water, our bodies, our environment with these toxic substances that we call PFASs. These are grease-proofing chemicals, waterproofing chemicals, nonstick chemicals. I think the most infamous product where these chemicals have been used are the Teflon pans. And, you know, there was for a while a real movement telling people to get rid of their Teflon pans. But Teflon pans are, are not the only use for these chemicals. They are so widespread. If you consider all of the items in your house, which are either nonstick or stain-proof or waterproof, it's quite a few. This would include carpets, couches, um, clothing, even some personal care products and makeups can contain them. And they are really persistent, meaning once they're released into the environment, they stay out there forever. They're not known to biodegrade at all. They're very toxic. They have been linked to cancer, especially liver cancer. There's thyroid problems that they've been linked to, as well as infertility issues. And as I mentioned, they don't biodegrade. They stay out there forever, including in our bodies. In fact, a couple of these chemicals can stay in our bodies for up to eight years, which when you consider how many sources they are and we're constantly being exposed, it's quite a big exposure. The other concern about these chemicals is not just from everyday products, but firefighting foams, which are foams that are used to fight really hot specialty kind of fires like oil fires. They're used a lot by firefighters at airports. 
And what's happened is these PFAS chemicals are in these foams, and when these foams are used, whether to fight an actual fire or in training, which is more likely where these foams are used is just in training, the foam is just sprayed out into the environment, usually not captured in any kind of way, and runs off into surface waters, into groundwater. And what we see now across the country is the contamination of drinking water from the use of these foams. In fact, it's estimated that about 110 million Americans probably have drinking water that contain these toxic chemicals, many of it from firefighting foams around Air Force bases, naval air stations, even near fire training grounds. It's across the country, but it's also here in Washington. Whidbey Island, up at the Naval Air Station, Coopville has had contamination of their drinking water, and they've had to work with the Navy to find alternate water source. And the city of Issaquah, down the hill from a fire training ground, discovered these chemicals in their drinking water and had to shut down one of their wells. And the same, there's an air station near Spokane in Airway Heights, and it's the same case there. And this is happening across the country. So these chemicals, it's why we call it the nonstick nightmare. They're everywhere, and they're bad, and there's a lot that has to be done to clean them up. Would you say a few words about the history of the manufacture and use of PFAS chemicals? Sure. These were the miracle chemicals. 3M and DuPont were some of the first manufacturers of these chemicals, and everyone thought these were great. Oh, my goodness. The food doesn't stick to my pan anymore. And they were touted as amazing. What it turns out and what's happened is there's evidence to show that these companies most likely knew that these chemicals were bad. They discovered quite a long time ago that these chemicals didn't break down and could be toxic. And that makes this all the more horrific, this nonstick nightmare, because you had companies that knew and yet continued to make them and to profit off of them. There are communities around the manufacturing areas of these chemicals. Their water has been polluted and towns have been poisoned because of the manufacture of these chemicals. And what happened is once it came to light that some of these chemicals were not good, the chemical industry basically just changes an atom here or you know, changes the formula just slightly so that it's not the same chemical that was polluting, but they're equally bad chemicals or sometimes even worse. And so it's kind of like this story of whack-a-mole You find one chemical in this class, figure out that it's bad, say, oh, you can't use that anymore, and they just go on to the next chemical. And so these chemicals have a very nightmarish history. Would you also say a few words about the recent documentary, The Devil We Know, and some of the personal stories that were highlighted? Yeah, The Devil We Know is a fascinating documentary. It's available on Apple TV right now, and I believe will be available on Netflix beginning first of the year. And it's a documentary. It follows a town in West Virginia that was the company town for DuPont when they were making these chemicals. And what ended up happening is through the manufacturer, they contaminated the town's drinking water and tells the story of a couple of citizens who became very sick because of the contamination and had to deal with terrible health issues. And the legal fights that went on around trying to get some justice for these citizens 
against DuPont, which of course is not an easy task because, of course, the chemical companies are well-funded and have their experts. And the documentary is fascinating to see just the lengths that these chemical companies went to to try and deny that their chemicals caused all of these health problems and these concerns. And the good news is, is that the town did end up getting some compensation. But again, you never win when you're dealing with these kinds of chemical contamination problems. But I urge everyone to go see it and you really start to understand the terrible legacy that's been left by these chemicals. You are tuned to the sustainability segment of Mind Over Matters on KEXP Seattle 90.3 FM by mobile app and on the web at kexp.org. I'm Diane Horn and my guest is Ivy Sager Rosenthal, Communications Director for Toxic Free Future. Our topic is progress towards a toxic-free future during 2018. What kind of costs are involved in trying to clean up PFAS chemicals? It's going to cost billions of dollars. We're just starting, I think, to get a handle on the extent of the contamination. It's been called one of the largest public health crises in the last decade to have to deal with contaminated drinking water in our homes with these chemicals. And health departments were not testing for these chemicals in drinking water. So they're just starting now to kind of get a handle on, oh, we do need to test. We do need to figure this out. And every day there's a new town or a new instance of, oh, this community's contaminated or this drinking water you can't drink. So we're just starting to get a handle, I think, on the extent of the crisis and the cost. But I can tell you here, just in Washington, Issaquah, they had to shut down one of their wells because of contamination. They actually ended up putting in a filter system that cost nearly $1 million. And that's just one filter for one well in Issaquah. You're looking at the Department of Defense, who's going to end up being on the hook for quite a lot of contamination because of this use of this firefighting foam they estimate right now at $2 billion just for those areas. It goes on and on. So it's going to cost quite a bit, and that's where the Make Them Pay campaign comes in because the injustice that all of us are having to deal with with this chemical trespass of these chemicals in our bodies and in our drinking water, it's adding insult to injury that then taxpayers, we have to pay to clean this up. And that's not right, and that's not just. So this campaign is providing support to policymakers and communities and demanding that these chemical makers pay to clean up their mess and that taxpayers shouldn't be left to foot the bill. Are there thoughts you might take it to the courts? There are quite a few lawsuits already going on, local ones and smaller ones in communities. There is a national lawsuit that was just filed by Rob Balot, who is an attorney who has a long history taking communities and helping them win against the chemical industry. And he has filed it on behalf of anyone who has PFAS chemicals in their bodies. And I can tell you that's just about everybody. (laughs) And asking the chemical industry to fund studies to determine what are the true health effects of all of these chemicals. So that's a national one. You know, there are attorneys general that have taken some action. The New York state has taken some action. Minnesota state attorney general has also 
filed suit against 3M and actually settled with 3M for close to a billion dollars. So yeah, there's going to be quite a lot of fallout, I think, legally, policy-wise, as well, from these chemicals and this nightmare. So what are the best steps to take to address PFAS chemicals going forward? So it's going to take action from all sides. My organization is focused on preventing future pollution. So we are looking at stopping sources of PFAS. So beyond firefighting foam and beyond food packaging and carpeting and other consumer products, it's going to take money to clean up these communities and to help them with medical costs and health monitoring. It's also takes retailers and manufacturers to just stop using these chemicals voluntarily. It's everyone kind of has to pitch in. Here in Washington, we are fortunate that our Department of Ecology is putting together a statewide plan on how to reduce these chemicals. And that plan should be coming out sometime in 2019 and will address all kinds of sources. The Department of Health here in Washington is currently in the middle of putting together a proposal on drinking water standards for these chemicals so that when we test drinking water, we know whether there's a problem or not. What are the priorities of Toxic Free Future for 2019? So this legislative session, which starts in a couple weeks, we are championing the Pollution Prevention for Our Future Act. And this bill is aimed at preventing the next PFAS chemical contamination nightmare, the next PCBs or the next DDTs. In other words, we need to stop the sources of toxic chemicals before they create a giant mess that is really hard to clean up, very expensive to clean up. So this bill will take a look at those chemicals we know are a problem for really vulnerable populations. That would include kids. It would include pregnant women, communities who already are disproportionately affected by toxic chemicals. It also looks at chemicals that are harmful to orcas. You know, this summer, there was a lot of focus on orcas and their declining population. And Governor Inslee has an orca task force that is putting forward recommendations. And this bill looks at what chemicals are affecting orcas as well as people. Orcas are perhaps the canary in the coal mine when it comes to toxic chemicals. The same chemicals that are affecting orcas are the same chemicals that are in consumer products in our homes, that are in our bodies, that are in our food. We're all in the same boat when it comes to these chemicals. And we need a better system for reducing our use of these chemicals, for making sure we stop toxic contamination before it becomes a huge problem. And so that's what this bill would do. It directs the Department of Ecology to look at chemicals that are concerned to these populations and to reduce consumer product toxic chemicals. They could restrict the use of a chemical. They could also just require disclosure. There's a whole host of things that this bill would allow the Department of Ecology to do. But we want to take a comprehensive look at the problem, not just start doing piecemeal 
one chemical here and one chemical here, but it's a larger problem in how we regulate chemicals in this country. And we're hoping the spill puts a step forward in taking on these chemicals in a more comprehensive way. How receptive do you think the legislature will be in 2019 to this proposal? Well, we're hoping they're very receptive (laughs) to the bill. You know, I'll tell you, my organization has been working with the legislature for many years on what we call single chemical bans, whether you're banning one toxic flame retardant or you're banning lead in toys or bisphenol A in baby bottles. And I can tell you it's a slow process when you consider there's like 80,000 chemicals out there. You know, it takes a year to sometimes three to four years to ban one chemical at a time in a few products. And so what we've been hearing from legislators is they're tired of these single chemical bans. They're tired of the whack-a-mole problem, and they want a more comprehensive approach. And that's what this bill does. It looks at chemicals that are a concern for our kids and for orcas, and it gives the state the authority to go forward and move at a more expeditious rate than every four to five years. So what's the message you'd like to leave our listeners with? I think we're fortunate here in Washington that we have leaders and policymakers who understand the problem of toxic chemicals and who really do want to make a difference and protect our health and protect our environment. Washington is seen as a leader across the country on these issues. And whether it was the precedent-setting PFAS bans from last year or toxic flame retardants bans a couple years ago, I think it shows that progress can be made, that it's not all for naught. I hear a lot about, oh, what's going on in Washington, D.C. is so horrible. There's no hope there, especially on issues of environment. And I always say, but look where we are. We're in a state, and the states are really where we're making progress, and we're doing that here in Washington. And we can't do it alone. We need people to speak up who support protecting people from toxic chemicals, who support these kinds of policies. I've just urged people to call their policymakers or get involved with us at toxicfreefuture.org. That's really how we make a difference. And I do think we are making progress towards a toxic-free future. Well, thanks so much for being here, Ivy. Thank you. You were just listening to Ivy Sager Rosenthal, Communications Director for Toxic Free Future. For more information, check on the web at toxicfreefuture.org, nonsticknightmare.org, and retailerreportcard.com. Sustainability segment interviews are available as podcasts along with KEXP's music podcasts. Go to the podcast section of KEXP's website at kexp.org. I'm Diane Horn. Thanks for listening on 90.3 FM by mobile app and at kexp.org.